Hello, welcome back to another episode of In the Highs and the Lows. This is our Christmas edition special. We have 25 of those because I wanted to make it difficult on myself. Um, and today is our day one Advent series. Um, if you haven't listened in a while, that's because I haven't posted in a while. Sorry about that. We've been having some technical difficulties, but now I have more than one thing to record on, which is awesome. Um, and I have stuff set up to make it so that we can continue recording for a long time. Uh, so let's just get right into it. We're doing podcast episodes. Our Advent series is on attributes of God and who God is. So for our first episode, it's just me. Sorry, a lot of them have guests. This one doesn't. But we're talking about God's sovereignty. So God's sovereignty is his power and control over his creation. So it's saying like we live in the world and he has power, total power and total control over this world because he is a sovereign God. Um, yeah, so that's what sovereignty means. I hope I explained that well enough for you to understand. If not, that's awkward. Um, sorry about that. But I feel pretty good. I think you'll understand. Um, so, first of all, I have a set of questions that we're going to do on every single episode to keep them nice and brief. Um, the first one is, how does my topic describe God? So, my topic, sovereignty, describes God and the type of power that he has and how he has control despite our circumstances. Um, and then for my Bible story today, we're going to go through the story of Joseph. So Joseph is actually a very long story. Joseph is found in Genesis 37, chapter 37 until chapter 50. So we're going to be hitting a couple of key verses and then I'm going to be explaining throughout the rest because I do not have enough time to read the whole thing to you. Um, but it is a great story. And if you're looking for a place to start reading your Bible, Joseph is a great spot. It's really easy to comprehend. Um, I really like it and I love a good story. Because sometimes reading through, like, the New Testament, what Paul wrote was awesome. But it's a lot easier to captivate attention with a story than, like, self-help book. So, highly recommend. Um, let's get started. So, we're opening on the story on this uh, Jacob, who is the grandson of Abraham, if you know who that is. Um, he is basically just, like... One of God's fresh descendants. This is before, like, the tribe of Israel has really been created. Jacob is known as the father of Israel. His name is also known as Israel. And he has 12 sons, which is a lot of children. A lot. Um, because that's not even including daughters. So he just really had a lot of children, which is crazy to me. Which makes sense because he has two wives. Honestly, Genesis is fascinating. And it takes a long... There's a lot of history that goes into Joseph to fully understand. And I don't have enough time to do that. But I highly recommend that you read through it. It's very, very interesting. Um, but we open on Jacob, who has 12 sons, and we're going to talk about his 12th, nope, his 11th son, Joseph. So Joseph was Jacob's favorite son, which you're probably like, mm, Ellie, I know it's not a good idea to have favorite children because that's just kind of, kind of common knowledge. Um, good call. It's not a good idea to have a favorite child. It's not. Um, and because of this, all of Joseph's brothers hate him. They don't like him. Which I'm like, I kind of get that. I, I kind of understand that. So we're opening there. I'm going to read this little passage of scripture and explain it a little bit. Uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his older brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And that was Genesis 37, 3 through 4. NLT version because I think it's easy to comprehend and I like it. Um, yeah, so basically, 
Jacob was like, Joseph, you're my favorite son. Here's this really cool rainbow jacket. You've probably heard of it. Um, here's this really cool rainbow jacket. You're my favorite. And all of Joseph's brothers are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't get a rainbow jacket. And now they're all kind of mad at him. Um, yeah. So they get like a little bit out of control mad. You know that moment when you want to sell your brother like into slavery? Actually, no, that wasn't even it. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to outright kill Joseph. They're like, mm, nah, I'm good. I don't need this brother. I already have 11 other ones. Like, I'm good. So they decide they're going to kill him. All of these brothers work together. Um, and they go and they take him into the fields and they start like beating him up and they take his jacket because they're like, you can't look stylish. It's not fair to the rest of us. So they start beating him up. And then all of a sudden, a guy walks by and he is someone who deals with slaves and like trading slaves. And they decide, well, we can kill our brother and have to do the work of having to cover up his death and cover up his body and all the not fun stuff of murder. Or we could sell him to slavery and make, you know, get some bang for our buck, you know? So they're like, okay, we're going to sell him to slavery. So they sell him to, to slavery. He goes to Egypt and he starts working, working for this guy named Potiphar. First, we're going to read another verse because I have a lot of them sprinkled in. But um, this is uh, Genesis 37, 28. So when the Ishmaelites, who were uh, Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. So I did a little big, bit of Googling. They sold their brother for $40. $40. That's not that much. That's really not. You can't even, like, buy a nice dinner with that anymore. Like, that's how much they sold their brother for. That's kind of awkward. Um, so they sell him, and he goes, and he moves to Egypt because he's a slave now and doesn't really have a choice. Um, but he was 17 at this time. So he's a little bit older now, probably in his, like, 20s by now. And he's chilling, and he's working for this guy named Potiphar. Oh, Potiphar. Potiphar. Potiphar is a head of the guard for Egypt. He's a great dude. People love him out in Egypt. Um, but more than that, Potiphar loves Joseph. Joseph is a hard worker. Joseph is doing whatever he can to basically live the life of a slave without living the life of a slave. So he's doing all of his work, but almost as if he was paid. Not actually, though, because this is he's still a slave. But um, So he's doing really, really well. He's put in charge of Potiphar's house. He's in charge of everything going on there. It's going great. He was also, according to the Bible, a very handsome and well-built young man. Not according to me. I didn't meet him. This was way before my time, obviously. Um, but Joseph was a very good-looking guy. So Potiphar's wife is like, ooh, Joseph's a good-looking guy. So she decides she wants to sleep with him, which is always a good decision, um, except for the fact that it wasn't, because Joseph was like, no, that's a sin against God and a sin against Potiphar, who's my master. Nah. Here's the Bible verses for that. We're starting in uh, Genesis 39. Sorry, I've skipped around a bit. And then the second half of verse 6. Uh, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Told you. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Um, so Joseph is like, yeah, nah. So Potiphar's wife, like, lunges at him to, like, get him into bed. I don't know really what the thought process was on that. Um, but instead, he ran away because he said no. Um, but she accidentally tore some of his clothing. So 
she takes his clothing and she goes up to some other people working in Potiphar's house in Potiphar and she's like, Joseph tried to sleep with me. Look, I have his clothing that got ripped off his shirt, whatever. And basically Joseph gets put in prison because this woman lied to her husband because she wanted to sleep with Joseph. Um, so things were looking up for Joseph for a little bit, but not anymore. He kind of got screwed over again. But because Joseph has this amazing, amazing thing called work ethic in Jesus, well, technically it's God at this time, but um, he's got some great work ethic and he's after God's heart. Um, he gets put in charge of the prison he got to. He got sent to a prison and he gets put in charge of this prison somehow. So he's in charge of making sure that everything runs well for this prison. Um, basically, favorite of the prison warden. Um, once again, he's technically a prisoner, but like not really. Uh, just because God is good and his, so is his worth ethic, work ethic. I'm struggling with words today. Sorry, y'all. Um, so one day there's some new prisoners or they'd been there for a little bit, but, um, they're the Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief of baking. So like the bakery. Um, so the cupbearer, if you don't know what that is, I'm assuming you know what a baker is. So I'm not going to explain that, but a cupbearer is basically somebody who brings wine to the Pharaoh and they kind of just make sure that he always has alcohol if he wants it. And he also makes sure it's not poisoned. Very important job. Don't want to poison the Pharaoh. Um, so he has to like taste test everything. But um, Joseph is having a conversation with these dudes, and he looks up to them, and he's like, y'all look sad. Is everything cool? Now, we're in Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business. Joseph replied, go ahead and tell me your dreams. So they tell Joseph their dreams, and Joseph interprets them, and what he says comes exactly true. The baker was killed. The cupbearer was restored to his position. Um, sorry, Baker. But it's kind of cool because it's like, well, Joseph's still in control. Jo uh, not in control. Joseph is still working through this. He's still getting spots. God is still moving through him, and he has this uh, ability to interpret dreams. And it's, like, real cool. We're all like, yeah, go, Joseph. You should get some good stuff going on in your life because it's not going too great. Um, so... Joseph is like, hey, you two, or specifically cupbearer because the baker's going to die. But to the cupbearer, he's like, hey, remember me when you get out of prison because I don't really want to be in prison. It's not fun. The cupbearer is like, yeah, sure, dude. Absolutely. That sounded sarcastic. He was serious about it. He actually was going to remember Joseph until he didn't because why would he, apparently. But um, so he forgets about Joseph until two years later when Pharaoh has this dream that shook him to the core. It was one of those things where it's like, I know this is a dream that I should understand, but I don't understand it. I can't interpret it. Neither can anybody who works here for the Pharaoh. So he calls like magistrates and people working for him and people who are supposed to have the ability to like translate dreams. Nobody can figure it out. Not a single person. So they're trying to figure out what to do about that. And what finally like rings a bell in the cupbearer's head is like, oh yeah, Joseph, he was good at that. He knew what he was doing. So you know, moving from there, he, the cupper is like, hey, Pharaoh, go get Joseph out of the prison. He can help you out. It'll be good. Um, so he goes and gets um, Joseph from the prison, and he talks to Pharaoh. This is what Joseph says in chapter 41, verse 16. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Um, so Joseph is continually just, like, giving the credit to God, which it's, like, good, as he should be. Awesome. 
Thank you, Joseph. You're a chill dude. Um, so he properly interprets a dream. Um, you can hear what those dreams are, but it's basically there's going to be seven years of a really, really good soil, and then seven years of really, really, really horrible famine. That's essentially what it is. Um, you should read it, though, because it's interesting. We just don't have time because I'm already taking too long. But, um, yeah, it's really great, really, really fun. And then we can see after he correctly interprets this, this is what the Pharaoh says to Joseph in chapter 41, verse 40. You will be in charge of my court, and all people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a rank higher than you. Um, which is epic, because Joseph interpreted this dream after years and years. He's probably in his 30s now. Um, of pris imprisonment and getting treated wrong and getting sold to slavery and all of these horrible, horrible things. But now all of a sudden he's in charge. And because of this, he figures out what to do to keep uh, Egypt from not dying off during this famine. So he saves up grain and other food. I don't really know what else, but other food to keep the Egyptians alive during this famine. So they save up food and it goes really, really well. And over in the land of Canaan, which is where Jacob and all of Joseph's 12 brothers are. Yeah, that's right. They come back. Um, they hear that Egypt has food. So they're like, oh, my gosh, awesome. We're going to go to Egypt and we're going to buy some of that food so that we don't die. Because there's also a famine going on over there. So they go over there and Joseph instantly recognizes them. And rather than responding with hatred, like, honestly, I would. I would be pissed. If I had 11 older brothers and they were all like, mm we're going to sell you off to slavery. I'd be pissed. I would be mad. But Joseph, rather than being mad, he actually finds a way to communicate with his brothers, and there's a bunch of stuff that goes down. But eventually, Joseph reveals himself to be Joseph. Um, and he says this, he says a couple things. We're going to go, I'm going to start with Genesis 45, 3 through 8. Um, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there right in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years to will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh and the manager of his entire palace and governor of all Egypt. Um, there's also a great verse in Genesis 50, which is the last chapter of Genesis. Genesis 50, verse 20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. That's what Joseph says to his brothers. It's all going great because no matter what Joseph endured, God was in control of all of it, which is where, where sovereignty clicks back in um, because this is about that. Um, God is sovereign, meaning that he has all power. And this story shows it so well because you see things go wrong again and again and again and again. And how often does that feel like our lives? Like how often does it feel like things are consistently going wrong and things are consistently messed up? And that no matter how hard we try, like, things are just not getting better. They're continually getting worse. Um, and this story shows, like, God is in control of that. And I'm not saying that that fixes your situation, because it doesn't. I know that. I've been through situations, not, like, not the extremities of Joseph's situation, but I've been through situations where it's like, 
it's the worst case scenario, and then it's the worst case scenario again and again and again. And we let this start defining us and freaking us out, and we're just like, nope, it's over. I've done all that I can. God clearly just wants me to endure it, and he's not going to help me through it. And that's not at all what's going on. God is sovereign. God is in control of whatever is happening. That doesn't necessarily mean he sent it, but that does mean that he is in control. He is the one who is making sure that your situation is going to work out for his glory, no matter how bad that situation is. Um, so I've talked about on here before in James, it talks about how we need to be finding joy in our trials. Um, it talks about that in James 1 verses 2 through 18. I'm not going to read all of that out because I don't have time. But um, it talks about our anxiety and our handling of trials and James talks about how we need to be finding joy in our trials because those trials are an opportunity for us to grow. You know, we ask for wisdom, we ask to, for change, and we are handed trials. And a lot of the times it feels like God has forgotten us through that. But no, God is sovereign. Through these trials, God has power. God has complete control. Um, and I think that that's really, really good and what we need to remember. Um, yeah, so... I have, over the past couple months, gone through some medical stuff, which is not fun. Um, it's not that bad. We've got it figured out. But um, I sprained my ankle, and then I tore, some, I tore a ligament, tore ligaments in my other ankle as well, had to get surgery, and then I developed plantar fasciitis, which is this, like, running thing uh, from overuse, and then my stitches started being ejected. Now I have nerve pain and nerve damage, um, all from just spraining my ankle one time. And it, this has been going on for almost six months now. Um, and it's not like a huge medical thing. Like, I'm not going to die. It's a sprained ankle. But I have not been able to walk properly for six months. Like, I walk like an old man. It's actually kind of funny. But um, through this time, I have to remind myself that, like, it's rough. It's not fun not being able to walk. I don't enjoy not being able to walk. But God is sovereign. And no matter what is happening, like... God is going to get me through it. Like, all of this is happening for a reason. Um, and he will bring me through it. And I think that's really, really good. Um, so that's kind of just the story I wanted to share with you today about how God is sovereign. Because I think Joseph just shows such a great example of that. About how God is ultimately in control, no matter what. I think that's really, really good. Um, that's the end of it. I would love it if you went home or... If you're already home, if you opened your Bible um, and you read through the story of Joseph, the story of Joseph is a great story. Um, highly recommend. Yeah, highly, highly recommend. With that, I'm going to call it on our first episode of our Advent series about who God is. Um, this is really exciting. I'm glad that you listened. We are going to have another episode tomorrow with a fun little guest that I think you'll like. They have been on the podcast before, but we also have lots of people who have not been on the podcast before who will be on the podcast for this series. So please stay tuned, get excited. There's some solid, solid topics about who God is. Um, if you want updates on all of this, you should go follow my Instagram at in the highs dot in the lows, uh, where I'm going to announce every morning what the topic for the podcast is. And then the podcast is going to come out on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and Google podcasts. If you use Google podcasts, but I've never met anyone who does. Um, but if you do, that's awesome. And I'm proud of you. Um, yeah, that's all I have for you. I hope you have a great day. And as you go throughout today and just this season, remember that even when things are rough, God is ultimately in control. 
Um, yeah, alrighty, bye-bye.